We have a, a series going on called Eyewitness News. It's the, the book of Mark. And we have made it officially to chapter 2. And you say, praise God. We, we, we have done it. And so uh, we're going to talk a little bit today about the greatest miracle of all time. There are many miracles in the Bible. But the greatest miracle of all time is the forgiveness of our sin. And sometimes we lose sight of that because we like to seek other kinds of miracles. Healing. Um, when God shows up and does miraculous things, we love it. But we're going to see a story today of Jesus healing a man who is paralyzed. But before he heals him, he forgives his sin. And I almost think it's kind of like a point that Jesus is making that the priority is always the forgiveness of sin. So as we look at that, I want you to think about this process. How many of you have seen a miracle? Some of you have. It's a marvelous thing when you see God do the miraculous. Um, what, it, what does it mean to witness a miracle? Um, how about when the Broncos beat the Chicago Bears? Was that like a miracle? <laughs> Probably not. Okay, I'm not sure God intervenes in football, but, but I know that he does those things. In your outline, follow along. Number one is this. People are still searching for purpose in life. Jesus is going to be sharing, he's teaching, and the house fills up. Let me just, let me just read this scripture, and you're going to see right away that these people were hungry for what Jesus had to say. Mark chapter 2, verse 1. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. Remember last weekend we talked about this, how the crowds came, he couldn't even travel anymore, and uh, he had healed the man with leprosy, and the word got out. So now they know he's coming home. Everyone comes to the house. You have to also understand that houses like this also served as house churches because uh, some of the scribes were there, um, leaders of the law, probably some Pharisees were there. They were coming to hear Jesus teach, and the house was packed. And that creates some complication for what Jesus is about to do with this man. I just want to say that I believe there is still a vacuum in mankind, in our soul, that only Jesus can meet. That's why we see people who are drug addicted, um, alcoholism going through the roof. People are searching uh, relationships that get sideways because people want more than what they have. And, and I, I believe today if people could get a clear view of who Jesus is, they would be more likely to follow him. We'll talk about that more in a minute. The second thing in your outline is this. What does it take to get people to Jesus? What, what can we be thinking of strategically that will allow us to actually bring our friends to the place where they can have a clear view of who Jesus is? This story really depicts this. In, in verse 2, part B, it says, While he was preaching God's word to them, four men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. <laughs> I love this story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible. So let's have some fun talking about this. That little half of a verse is packed with stuff. We're gonna, I want to just show you four things that I just put as thoughts that I think are traits we need to have as a church. 
and as individuals. The first one is teamwork. The Bible says four men came carrying. Um, you're going to see on this picture, this, it's an amazing picture of, how many of you know these guys didn't just wake up in that position, <laughs> right? Um, they are working hard to build this human pyramid, and they're standing on each other's shoulders. I guarantee you this is not the first time they've done that. Every place where that foot is and that hand is is strategic. It's planned to create balance and hold the weight for, to climb up like that. It takes teamwork to get people to see a clear view of God. This, this story is just powerful because these four men made a commitment to take their friend to where Jesus was. Now just think about that. This wasn't easy as we'll see in the story. But, but this is a picture of what we should be about as, as, as the body of Christ, we are called, his bride, the church, that we have teamwork and we make investments together. That's why we care about homelessness. It's why we send teams to Haiti and India and Africa. It's why we do the work we do. And it's why we give. It's why we share because we are a team. And I'll tell you right now, if we get crossways with each other, we're not going to work as a team. We need to look at what we have in common and what is our common goal? What are we running for? These four men said, we are going to get this man to where Jesus is. I love that. That takes teamwork. Another thing I see in the story that's powerful to me is effort. The Bible says they came carrying. Effort is a huge part of what we do. This picture really depicts effort. It's just you see the strain on the face that actually says, I'm going to get this done. I'm running toward the prize. It's why we care. It's why we work hard at these things. Hey, it's difficult. When you think about carrying someone, it's difficult. I, I, I've only had one experience where I've had to carry someone for a long period of time with some friends. A few years ago, we had a... a we have lots of people in our church who climb the 14ers of Colorado, 14,000 and above peaks, and there's like 54 of them. How many of you have climbed at least one? Wave your hand at me. Okay, good job. Well, I've climbed a few, and one of the trips was Mount Bierstadt, and we, uh, we were going up there, and one of the guys that we were climbing with, there were four of us, was uh, just moved here from like Boston or somewhere where it was just sea level. He was a marathon runner, great shape, but... He had not fully uh, acclimatized, and so he got altitude sickness. Now, how many of you know you can be in really good shape, but if you get altitude sickness, it's over. <laughs> I mean, it is done. And he, we were like on the third uh, uh, peak of these valleys and mountains to get to the top, and it hit him so fast. I've never seen anything. He turned white, and he just started, well, never mind. I won't go into all the details, but... but it was horrible. And he literally laid down on the ground and couldn't even sit up. He was so weak. We knew we had to get him down to a lower elevation. And so we carried him. And we were taking turns trying to do the kind of lock arms and sit in this chair. And we're walking down these steep mountains with, with these rocks. It was so hard. I, just, I was tired, let alone carrying someone else. I just can't imagine what it was like for these guys to say, we will put out the effort to take this man. You guys, that's why we, we encourage you not to be afraid to work hard for the causes of God. Don't be afraid to say, this is hard. This is a strain. Marriage is hard. Raising kids is hard. You know, coming to church can be a challenge. 
But thank you for putting forth the effort to say, we together will reach people with this good news, this gospel. Number three is sensitivity. Sensitivity. The Bible says this was a paralyzed man. Now, with all the political correctness to talk about a person who is disabled, it's, it's a challenge when you read the Word of God because I wonder what all their questions were. You know, it's, it's a challenge when you're working with someone who has a disability, you really need to care about their well-being. And was this man in pain? Was he worried? Was he, I mean, just the traveling, just think about, is he comfortable? Um, how far could he travel? And they're carrying him on this mat, and who knows what the dialogue must have been like, but there's sensitivity. And this point always reminds me of the conversations we need to have with people and the sensitivity we need to keep as we reach people for the glory of God, as we take people to where Jesus is. Let's be people who have a keen awareness of what it means to be sensitive to the needs of others. If we're not careful, we can just blow right by things that we're not even aware of. I, I, I'm kind of a linear thinker, so if my brain gets clicked into a certain gear, if I'm going somewhere down this hall over here, I literally could walk right by you and not even see that I walked by you. How many of you understand my problem? So, so when I walk around in the hall, because I'm focused on where I'm going, what I'm doing, and the purpose of it, and I don't mean to be that way. It's just how, how I am sometimes. So when I walk around our halls, I always make sure that I have nowhere that I'm going. <laughs> okay, I just, I just like to walk around and say hi and have no agenda and hang out with you and, and people because, because otherwise I will lose my sensitivity. One of my greatest fears as a follower of Christ and as a church like this is that we will lose our sensitivity to the lost, to the dying, to those who are spiritually paralyzed, those who we could walk right by in our little work cubicle space, in our neighborhood, and not even know because we're doing the things of God. Let's be sensitive as we walk with God. Um, and just the final thing that I want to say under this point is creativity. It, it's, it's, let me ask you a question because the, the Bible says they brought him on a mat. Okay, so they're, they're pretty creative on how they get him here. This, this picture is a picture of um, someone who is uh, a chef. Now they've taken regular food and made it beautiful. Okay? And how many of you like to eat food that's beautiful? See, I don't care. I don't care if it's beautiful. Bonnie sometimes will say if we go out on an anniversary or a nice restaurant or something, she'll say, look at this presentation. I'm like, I got my fork and my knife. I don't really care what it looks like. As long as it tastes good. How many of you hang with me on that? Okay. So, but, but what happens is you can take just normal stuff and make it beautiful. What, what's happened here is... They have, they have worked hard to make something presentable and beautiful. And what these guys did in the creative juices of their mind, here's the question. Who built the mat? Do you think they did? It probably wasn't the paralyzed man, right? They couldn't just run down to Walmart and buy what they needed. <laughs> and so they had to be creative as I think of this point, I just want to say, I want to just put this on you and have you consider it. I think we're called to be mat builders. I really do. Because the mat is what enables them to take this man to where Jesus is. 
Now you apply that to your life. What are the mats that you and I need to build in order for people to see who Jesus really is? Conversations. It could be through sports. It could be through food. It could be through whatever. I just know. I just know that if you and I are, are aware and we're sensitive and we pay attention, then we're going to be able to build some mats that get people to where Jesus is. That's probably our greatest and highest calling. Okay, number three. This is where the story gets really interesting. What is it that blocks access to Christ? Now, this is a question because in this story, there was a problem. There was a huge problem, and these friends had to overcome it. So stay with me on this. It says in, in verse, the first part of verse 4, they couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the what? The crowd. Now, here is where we start to face the obstacles. So many people are curious about Jesus that they filled up the house church. And so these guys show up, and there's all this, all this people, and they can't get a clear view of God. I can't help but wonder in my own life, what does it take for people to have a clear view of God and who gets in the way? I don't want to be in the way. We, we have a, a picture here that is you can't really tell what it is. And if you look at it and you watch it, it's kind of what happens in people's journey as they come to faith. Sometimes, let's just say for, as an example, it takes 300 touches for someone to find Christ. 300 contacts. Maybe church is one, a conversation is another. But when they first look at God, it's really blurry and they can't see. And then they have another touch and touch 84 and then touch 136 and suddenly they have a discussion and all of a sudden things start to be clear. And by touch 300, they're, they're praying a prayer that says, Lord, forgive me of my sin. Cleanse me. See, it doesn't matter where you are in the lineup if you're number one or number 300. And sometimes without even realizing it, we get in the way of what God is doing in someone's life. And I, I see this all the time. I've prayed this prayer this week. Lord, show me my blind spots where I'm in, I'm in the way. I'm blocking the view of God. The Bible tells us in, in verse 6, which we'll read in a few minutes, that some of, the, some of the teachers of the law were sitting there, religious people. And I've often said, religious people without really knowing Christ. These are people who didn't believe he was the Messiah. They got in the way of this man who was hungry to see him and meet him. They became a hindrance between Jesus and this man. Let's never be a church that becomes a hindrance of allowing people to see the truth about who God is. Because I think religion can get in the way of having a fresh look at Jesus. So often people, they're not... They're not afraid to follow Jesus if they, could, if they could really see who he is and what he said and what he came to do. But they see hypocrisy. They see religious people. They see the rules. And they see us and we get in the way so often about that. I don't want to be a hindrance. I want people to get a real glimpse of Jesus. Now, um, number four in your outline is this. Results take place when love leads to action. Results take place when we say, okay, I love and I'm going to pay attention and it's going to lead me to doing something that I probably haven't done before. So how does love lead to action? Let me read it, verse 4b. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. I just love this. This is talking about above Jesus' head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. <laughs> this, is, this is funny. Because here, here this man, 
this man, I, I can't imagine being him. You know, here, here's these guys saying, they could have turned to him and said, hey, we tried. You know, we got you here, but it's really too crowded, so let's go home maybe another day. No, they were so determined. Their love for their friends said, we're going to find a way. So if you can imagine, this isn't their house, right? They climb onto the roof, and, and, and roofs in those days were, you know, made of kind of these tile, these tile things, and they would actually often put dirt on the top to keep the temperatures uh, down. They get up there and they start digging through this dirt on the roof. Can you imagine right now if all of a sudden you saw dust start coming down from the roof? And, you know, all of a sudden there's this big hole looking at the sky. And you hear some voices like, okay, move him over here just a little bit. Get ready. We're going to take him down. And Jesus is trying to teach. I can tell you something. Those religious people in that house that day were very angry at this moment. Because they are interrupting the teaching. And these guys don't give a rip about the religious people, which I just love. They're like, I mean, how did they manage this? They're probably saying, Joe, get that rope. Okay, let him down easily. Well, he, he's tipping. Go, quick, hurry. I mean, what was it like to manage this? And then there's the poor man. Hi, everybody. <laughs> this poor guy, I mean, think of him. How humbling would it be? To be in his position, he's probably, how many think he was embarrassed? I mean, and I don't know if they gave him a choice. The Bible doesn't say. He's paralyzed. What can he do? Right? And so maybe he's saying to those guys, if Jesus heals me, I'm coming after you. You know? I don't know. I don't know what that would have been like. I just know that it disrupted that whole meeting, and yet it was exactly what needed to happen. I love that. I want that kind of determination that says, I'm not giving up on my friend. I'm not giving up on my kids. I'm not giving up on my spouse. I'm not giving up on my parents. I'm not giving up on my coworkers. I'm going to do whatever I can to bring them to where Jesus is. I just, I love the vulnerability here. Will I be a friend that has that much determination? Because I believe Jesus can change the lives of every person on this planet. I really do. Number five. The greatest miracle is forgiveness. Now, that's kind of the whole heart of this message. And so I want to I just walk you through this in verse 5. You theologians need to really think about what I'm about to read, okay? It says, seeing their faith. Right? So Jesus looks at this picture of this man coming down on his mat, and he's... he's aware of what's going on. And he, he said, the Bible says, seeing their faith. That would include the man, but it also includes his four friends, right? Their faith. He simply says to this paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. You following this? Seeing their faith, your sins are forgiven. Your faith impacts your friends. Now, your faith can't just bring forgiveness to other people without their willingness. But Jesus saw this in an accumulative manner. That fascinates me because Timberline Church isn't reliant upon just my faith. When God looks at us and the things we do and the things we go for and building homes and caring about homelessness and planning a church in Windsor and all the stuff that we do, he sees our faith <laughs> 
Guys, we, we're locking arms. What, what is your faith today? Because it matters to me. It matters that we together can make a difference, that we can present these needs to God. And the Lord, suddenly he's captured with their faith. And he says, I see their faith and your sins are forgiven. And I think he's trying to make a point that the forgiveness of sin is the greatest miracle of all. I'm going to ask you a pretty tough question. Let's say you have a disease that's going to take you out. Or you're paralyzed or you're disabled in some way. If you had a choice between being completely healed or being forgiven of your sin, which would you choose? Now be careful before you answer that too quickly. Because so often, especially in America, we want the quick fix. When in reality, eternity is forever. This body's temporary. But sometimes I fear that every day I choose things that are more of a quick fix rather than living in the gratitude of forgiveness that means I have eternity with God. That, that sobers me quickly. It's worth pondering. It's worth thinking about. Because people often make choices that don't have eternity in mind. You follow me on that? The little things that we do instead of the big picture. Jesus doesn't forget the big picture. Um, I want that. Number six in your outline. Man, I had a lot of points, didn't I? Um, when criticism meets amazement. This is, this is one of my favorite parts of the story because you've got the teachers of the law who are really sophisticated, really religious, really smart, highly educated. And let's look at what it says, verse six. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. They don't believe he's God. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking, so he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven? Or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Man, can you imagine what that moment was like in that room? And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat, and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God, exclaiming, We have never seen anything like this before. What would it be like to have that miracle happen right here and have this paralyzed man roll up his mat and put it under his arm and walk down the middle aisle saying, see you everybody, have a nice day. Wow. I love it when God does something so profound that people cannot deny it and the smartest among us cannot explain it. That's the God factor, would you agree? That's the God factor, and that's what we need in our world today desperately. I want to give you four reflections as I wrap this up, and I'm just going to go pretty quick through these, but I hope you'll actually take these with you and ponder them all week. That's what I'm doing. Um, first of all, will I see the needs around me? When I, when I think about the needs that are around my life and my world and 
in my neighborhood and here at the church and in some other groups that I hang with and friends. I, it could be overwhelming, but I also can live with such a, a block that I have no peripheral vision. And I, I think you, you, all of us probably right now would say, yeah, I'm aware of the needs around me. I want you to step back from that and not assume that right now. I want you to say, I'm going to take a week and I'm going to go investigate the needs that are really around me. Have I gone deep with some people in conversation to know what's really happening in their lives? Or is it just the, hi, how you doing? Go final four. You know what I mean? How can we be people who are, are way different than that? And then number two is, how does love lead to action in my life? I, I love my wife, Bonnie, but if that never leads to any action, if all I do is say it, but it's not part of my behavior, <laughs> it's not going to work. How many have learned that? The hard? Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> love needs to lead to action. And if, if it does, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to build some mats. I'm going to be aware of the need, and I'm going to make a difference. I'm going to try my best to get people to where Jesus is. Number three, will I appreciate forgiveness? I don't know if I appreciate forgiveness enough. I, I typically live for that day like most of us where we say, God, show up in a big way and reveal your power and heal this person and do that and let it be mighty and let it be big. And without even realizing it, I can minimize what real forgiveness means for my eternity. Because without that, you guys, we don't have a future. That's the greatest miracle. And today I want to remind you, if you're walking with the forgiveness of God, you have everything you need for eternity with God. Regardless of how tough it is right now, don't lose sight of the most important thing in your life. And the last one is, will I live with criticism or amazement? You know, you have a choice to be critical of others or to walk in amazement of who God is. We have opportunities for both, I promise you. We really do in our, our world. All of us do. What choice will I make? The Bible talks about working, tarrying until he comes back to take us home with him. Now, I, you have to understand a little bit about my history. My, my grandpa and grandma were farmers in Kansas. Howard Kansas. It's a spot in the road. And about 10 miles from there was a wonderful farm that my grandpa farmed for years. And every summer we would take a two or three week trip out there and we would meet up with some of my cousins. Now I have a large family and, um, and lots of cousins. And so all us guys would, would be there in time to buck hay in the field with my grandpa. How many of you have ever done, done that? It's, it's a lot of hard work. And my grandpa... I can remember on several occasions, we would walk out of the farmhouse in the morning. He would already have the big John Deere tractor pulled up and it would be popping in the background. And he would say, boys, it's going to be a long day of hard work. Let's go get it done. We'd go out in that field and start bucking hay, putting it on the trailer and putting it in the barn. And I mean, but something would always happen about sundown. The dinner bell would ring. And my grandma would have dinner ready. That meant that the work was over. And I was thinking about this with stories like this. We are called to bring people to where Jesus is, to work, to put effort, to give our lives, to work in the fields. 
to have a harvest. But one of these days, the dinner bell's gonna ring. <laughs> the trumpet will sound. There's gonna be a moment in which our lives will change forever and we will forever be with the Lord. Let's make the best of it while we're on this earth. Amen? Let's do it. We tarry for a while. We work now because we will have eternity with God to have peace. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for that promise. Thank you that you partner with us, that you work to change us and forgive us so that we can make a difference in the world. Lord, thank you for the reality of eternity with you. I'm so grateful for that today. We love you. Lord, thank you for this man who was able to roll up his mat and walk out of that room. Thank you for the amazement. When people really do see what you're capable of, they have to be amazed. Would you help us to be witnesses that do the bulwark of God with the grace of God? Some of you with heads bowed just need to say, I need God. I just need him. I need God right now. I, I need prayer because I'm separated from God. And I want him. And I need him. Some of you, you're not separated from God because of sin, but there are issues in your life where you need the miraculous. You need God to show up in such a way that it's impossible. It's impossible without God making a way for you right now. I just want to pray over you right now. If that's you, just slip up a hand. God bless you. Lord, I just want to lower my friends on the mat to be right in front of you. I just pray that we as a church can just put these people right in your lap. That they will be before you. That you can recognize what forgiveness of sin is and also what their greatest need is. Lord, you cared about the spiritual and the physical needs. And you met them both. We just ask you to do that today among us. Help us to be strong and faithful. I want to pray another thing. I want to pray. I want to ask some of you who will say, I'm... I'm not carrying people very well. You guys, we get so focused on our own lives, our own goals, our own destinations that we don't take anybody with us. And I'm, I want to challenge us in that. I'm challenging me too. So let's, let's own that right now as I lead us in a prayer. Would you, would you join me in that? Lord, we don't want to just do this alone. But we want to be like those friends who put some effort and work and labor and building a mat and doing the, the hard stuff to bringing people to where you are. Show us how to do that. Show us how to have wisdom in that. Have connection through you. We need that, Lord. I trust you today to help us to be a church that blesses your name, that keeps it simple enough that we can see how profound you are. Lord, I thank you for helping us with that. Be glorified in your church and your bride. We trust you and we love you. We give you glory. In Jesus' name we pray it. And everyone said, amen. Lord, thank you so much for the opportunity to hear your word. Thank you for stories in the book of Mark that challenge us, change us. As we walk out of here today, take us to those who need a mat. Show us how to get them to you. Show us how to make a touch in their life, whether it's number 15 or 286 but ultimately will lead to them seeing the true glimpse of who you are. I pray also that you will help us to be a church corporately 
that will work together in harmony to reach this world for the glory of God. Help us, Lord, not to ever let it be about us, but always about you and what makes you happy and what pleases you most. I thank you for that. We pray this in your mighty name. I want our prayer team to come, and they'll be up here to pray with some of you who want to just have prayer before you go home. If they would come now. Lots of tables in the mall this weekend, places to sign up, get connected, uh, volunteer. So just uh, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy the sunshine. Thanks for being at Timberline. God bless you. Remember, the service starts now.